There's some technology out there that's very interesting for us. You know, working in a jewelry business, uh, something that is very high touch, but there are some digital technologies that are allowing us to be able to sell to our consumer in a way where we aren't passing product to her, that she can see it physically on a screen and see it on herself, what she would look like wearing the jewelry in real time. So I think that artificial technology in that sense is really appealing to us. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Hey everyone, we got a very special episode of the pod lined up for you. This is actually another Retail Innovation Conference conversation. I recently had the chance to sit down with Jason McNary, who is the CEO of the Americas for Una de 50, which is a jewelry brand. And he is a all-around pro on brand building and most of all on pop-ups. In fact, he's going to be talking a lot about pop-ups during RIC, which is virtual this year. So I wanted to take some time, get to know him, what he does in his role as CEO of the Americas, especially now, and dig into some of the trends and technologies that he's most excited about. We dig up some nuggets and some great points around how folks can evolve their pop-up experiences in 2021. So hope you enjoy it. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this very special Retail Innovation Conference conversation. I'm Alicia Esposito, and I have joining me today Jason McNary, who is the CEO of the Americas for Uno de 50. Jason, thanks so much for taking the time out. You're a busy guy, so I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm really excited to be here. So I could imagine, Jason, in your role, you oversee a lot of different components, right? It could be brand, it could be business. So what does the typical day in the life look like for you, especially now in this current climate with everything going on? No, absolutely. You know, um, a typical day is not so typical for someone in my role. I toggle between the departments going from marketing to merchandising, buying, planning, as well as digital and finance. And I would say that in terms of what has changed, really not a lot other than the pace has picked up faster and we're focusing on looking further out in a quicker way within our business. Yeah, that's interesting. It definitely aligns with what we've seen from a coverage standpoint, the conversations we've been having with other executives is why our theme this year for RAC is the big acceleration, right? We've heard people use some variation of accelerate or fast pace, like as far as what trends are evolving, how quickly they're evolving. So it definitely makes sense, I think, as far as how you're prioritizing looking ahead. I would love to hear your take because there's the shift to e-commerce, there's, you know, new fulfillment models or acceleration of fulfillment models, a lot of different trends happening. But I'd love to hear what trends or disruptions are top of mind for you right now as you start to plan out for the brand as we get into like holiday 2021 and all of that. No, absolutely. I would tell you that from a marketing and an advertising perspective, technologies that can drive sales for us and optimize our returns on ad spends are crucial at this moment in our business as we approach holiday. I think that it's an opportunity to take advantage of a favorable landscape at the moment, as well as to grab market share. Excellent. And I know at RIC this year, you're going to be talking a little bit about 
pop-ups and the new revolution that has kind of taken shape as a result of COVID-19. But let's backtrack because you're not a novice at pop-ups, right? Like Uno to 50 has done pop-ups before. It's kind of a core part (laughs) of your strategy, so to speak. So why don't we talk about that a little bit, your history with pop-ups and how it's really helped the business from like a brand awareness and even expansion standpoint? No, absolutely. We started to really experiment with pop-up shops three years ago when I actually came on board to the organization um, here in the American market. And, you know, initially the um, purpose of these pop-up shops were to build brand awareness, as you said, grow our database and create excitement within the malls. And we have further developed that initiative to where we look at them as a core part of our business and also delivering on sales now. And I think that as we've shifted our mentality post-COVID, pop-ups have evolved for us to be a part of our business that we look to generate sales for us. So we now have focused on major markets that are important to us, such as Puerto Rico, which is for our organization globally, our number one market. So we will continue to do pop-up shops as an um, avenue to not only build brand awareness and grow our database as such and experiment with new technologies, but the core part of this is to deliver on sales in Puerto Rico. So our number one store is in uh, Plaza Las Americas, and we have a great flagship door there. However, the mall, because of the size of the mall, we're able to experiment and interact with our a new consumer as well as our core consumer in a different manner at our pop-up shop. Yeah, that's definitely interesting because I know there have been a lot of conversations, debate even around the future of brick and mortar. And that I feel like that's been, you know, a conversation point ever since e-commerce came more to the forefront. But especially now, I think a lot of people are wondering what online behaviors are going to sustain. What does that mean for our store count, our store experience? We'll get into some of the cool tech stuff because I think there's a lot to, to talk about there. But as far as the future of the brand and where you see your pop-up strategy going in comparison to like brick and mortar in general, right? Are you imagining that you'll want to prioritize like the shorter term leases and be able to test and learn more? Are you going to be putting equal emphasis on long-term stores? Because I know a lot of retailers are questioning lease agreements right now and where they really want to be from a store perspective. No, absolutely. And I think that you bring up a really good point. Having this test and learn mentality has been a part of our playbook since I've been with the organization. And so we are, in terms of real estate, we are very opportunistic when it comes to this at this moment. The landlords are working with retailers in a different manner these days. So it's giving us the flexibility to go into geographical areas where we may not have considered in the past. For example, there might be an opportunity for us in Nashville. We may have left that for our wholesale and our e-commerce business, but now we're considering Nashville as a market for us that we could open a profitable store that will contribute a good four wall to the bottom line. And we feel very confident about markets like that. So for us, we are going to continue to look for these opportunistic opportunities where we can go in for two-year leases, where we could go in and test it. If it works, then we go and we continue this. Or we will look for long-term opportunities. But you know, we're going to look at our analytics. We'll look at the history of the brand within this specific zip code to understand if she's there, our customer, or if she's not there, or if there's an opportunity that we're just missing and we feel really good about it. 
I think that because of the partnerships that we have with landlords today, it's giving us the um, agility to be more flexible as it relates to lease terms. Yeah. And agility, flexibility, those are both two crucial words that I've been hearing a <laughs> lot about, not just from a store perspective, but an experience perspective. And I think that leads us to the next layer or next stage of the pop-up strategy framework, so to speak. So it's like finding the right location, right, to be close to existing or potential customers. But then it's the experience that you create within those stores. And we've been hearing a lot about what does the future of the store experience look like? Agile store design, new materials, even contactless pop-up experiences. Are there any new store models or approaches that make you really excited about what, what the future has in store? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I think that you brought up one around contactless payments. And I think that that is something that will continue to be very important for us as we look into the evolution of pop-up shops. I think that today safety is very important for consumers as well as our employees that we create these safe environments. And we are talking with several vendors on how do we revolutionize our payment systems and payment methods where we create and continue to make shopping more safe for us. The other piece of it is digital. What does it look like and how do we evolve it from a selling perspective for the consumer as well as our employees where the interaction doesn't feel so sterile, but still it feels very human-like, if you will. But again, keeping safety at the forefront of what we're doing out there. So, you know, we're experimenting with a couple of things that we think we will roll out in 2021 that will be very important for the future of pop-ups, as well as not only pop-ups, but our stores, our retail stores in general. Yeah, it definitely seems like contactless or touchless, however you wanted to describe it, seems to be the the most clear and tangible entry point for in-store or pop-up technology because it has that wow factor, but it's also purposeful, right? It meets a need that's very top of mind. But I can't help but think of all the other cool applications and the tech that we're seeing more use cases for, like AR, for example. Are there any others that kind of pique your interest? You don't have to say if you're investing in it or not, but I'm curious to see what really strikes your attention now. There's some technology out there that's very interesting for us. You know, working in a jewelry business, uh, something that is very high touch, but there are some digital technologies that are allowing us to be able to sell to our consumer in a way where we aren't passing product to her, that she can see it physically on a screen and see it on herself, what she would look like wearing the jewelry in real time. So I think that artificial technology in that sense is really appealing to us, where it makes the shopping experience seamless, but also you are able to suggestive sell to her in an intimate way without having the physical touch, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely see that come to life in my headspace right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that takes shape. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Rebecca Minkoff, she had this artificial intelligence in her store and in the fitting rooms where you could try on ready to wear and you would be able to see what it looked like on you. And I think that that more so than ever now is really important for consumers because it really takes that touch out of the way and allows you to continue to suggestive sell to her or for her to suggestive sell for herself 
in a way that's safe for the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. I know when we talk about apparel, the fitting room experience is being completely turned upside down, not just because of like the small number of SKUs on the floor in order to accommodate for social distancing, but also some people just like don't want to go <laughs> near a fitting room, rightfully so. So that's definitely a fascinating space to watch. But as far as Uno de 50's future strategy. You talked about how you're having conversations with some contactless payment providers, determining what that experience looks like. As you figure out what pieces go into the pop-up puzzle, so to speak, I mean, what questions are you asking? How are you kind of going through that ideation and design process? Because I'm sure a lot of executives, a lot of teams are trying to do something similar. They're trying to figure out what pieces fit best together. So do you have any approaches that have worked well for you? Yeah, you know, I think first and foremost, from where I sit, the P&L of that particular pop-up is probably the most important for me. So really looking at the return on the investment, what we are looking to generate from an ROI perspective, whether it be from a marketing perspective or a sales perspective, they're all very important. But I think it's doing it with purpose and understanding what that looks like. And then financially, looking at the P&L of that uh, potential pop-up is really important. Yep, you're CEO, so the dollars are very important. (laughs) I'm not a math person, but I can appreciate it. But looking at the effectiveness of stores, are you looking at any other metrics, any other data sets? Like we've heard a lot about dwell time, you know, time and experience, I guess the ripple effect, like do people visit a store and buy online? Are there any other considerations there? Absolutely. And I'm glad that you bring this up because the last point you made and the question is very important. So, you know, the consumer visiting the store and then buying online. So when we look at new stores now, I'm taking a deep dive into the online sales for that market because now I have to measure, and I think all companies are looking at this in terms of you cannot solely look at the sales that are being generated from that store anymore. Many other metrics become important, such as online sales, wholesales, wholesale sales uh, within that market, as well as even looking at your marketplace partners and thinking about the sales that are coming from that particular zip code. So there's so much more emphasis that is that are being put on analytics on where the sales are coming from within a specific zip code for businesses these days. So even thinking about our marketing spend and how we analyze that now, it's not just about the sales from the store anymore. As I mentioned earlier, I think it's more about the sales from the entire zip code and maybe within a 100-mile radius of that store that are going to become very much important in measuring success these days. Excellent. Well, we've touched on a lot in terms of the role of pop-ups within the Uno de 50 business, technology, the future. Is there anything else that you're going to be digging into during your RAC session that that you think is important for all the folks watching now to uh, take note of and possibly check out your session? No, absolutely. You know, we are going to explore so much, but I think probably one of the biggest is that we're going to diagnose some of the brands that are doing some amazing things from a pop-up shop and experiential perspective and how we can look to mirror those types of experiences from a negotiation perspective as you look at cost. Because I think a lot of brands may look at brands such as Nike and think, wow, they're doing amazing initiatives as it relates to pop-up shops, but my budgets are not as big as theirs. So I think that this is something that we're going to dive into, and uh, I think it'll be a very exciting uh, session. I love it. Yeah, it's definitely going to be actionable, I think, for the audience, Um, not just inspirational, which I think is super important now. So really looking forward to that. And then looking at, again, our theme this year, the big acceleration, I think to close out our conversation, would love to get your take on how your 
not just consuming all of the trends that are happening now, but are figuring out how to apply it to your business. When we talk about the big acceleration, I'd love to hear your take on which trend you think will have the most significant impact, the most lasting impact moving forward. Because as I noted earlier, there are so many trends, so many behaviors that we're, we're still determining what's long lasting, what is short term. So what do you think is going to have the most significant impact moving forward? You know what, we spoke about it earlier on this session, actually. And I think it really goes back to contactless payments within retail stores. I think that this is much bigger than what we may have anticipated it to be at this moment. And then, you know, looking five years down the road, what does that look like today to make it easier for that consumer. So I think that that's one of the trends that will absolutely be something that will accelerate brands to the next level. There are great brands that are already there and, you know, moving at the speed of lightning, you know, when we think about contactless payments and what they're doing. So I think the consumer at this point, her mindset is shifting or his or her mindset is shifting. We used to think that the consumer wanted a fast, easy, and reliable way of shopping. But I think, again, more so than ever today, that is even more important because they want that on top of it. They would like to have safety as well. So I think contactless payment is one that we should all be watching and thinking about what it looks like in five years from now. Fascinating. And obviously, this all ties into us creating a space for us to talk about these trends in a practical way but also just find new ways of doing business, right? Which, you know, that's why we call it the Retail Innovation Conference, yeah. right? So I'd love to hear how innovation itself, how it's defined and how it's applied within your business has possibly changed in these times. Because I feel like every year we have said, like, it's more important than ever. There are more changes than ever, more disruptions. But have there been any significant shifts in terms of how you're approaching or looking at innovation from a business standpoint? Yeah, no, absolutely. When COVID happened, I think all businesses stopped for a second and had to think very quickly on how they were going to rally their organization to get beyond this. And you know, the question for me became, and the rest of my team, in terms of innovation, why did it take a crisis for us to think this way? So as a team now, we're meeting monthly and we're having brain sessions, thought sessions on innovation and how do we look to accelerate our business and our company to the next level for our consumer base. I think that it's something that many companies are doing a great job of it today. But I think for my team, we should have been, we should have been thinking this way last year. You know? So I think we're always now going to think about innovation and always use this crisis mode, if you will, being in the middle of a public health crisis to help push us there. And I think that that is defining a lot of our conversations on strategy daily. And it's really pushing us to be stronger, to be smarter, to be more agile in what we do as a team. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. I mean, it was astounding to see how quickly certain businesses moved in order to stand up curbside, in order Absolutely. to boost their you know, e-commerce offerings, connect the dots. I mean, like you said, it's possible. So what's stopping us from moving forward? So I guess that kind of ties into our closeout, which I always ask my guests for any closing words of wisdom or inspiration. I mean, as a CEO who's navigating the changing tides and is encouraging this innovative thinking and thinking a few steps ahead in the process, I mean, 
any advice just based on your experiences so far that you can share? You know, I think for me, I would tell you that the consumer's voice is so important to all businesses that we continue to listen to what she or he is saying about the brand and also couple that with the analytics of what you're reading about your business as well. But I think bigger than that, thinking about the world that we're living in today and a lot of the social unrest that is existing in the American market, how do you diversify your organization from a leadership perspective to ensure that it's reflective of America, if you will? And I think that that's really important right now. This is something that we're um, having several conversations about in our think tanks. And I think that this is probably, that is probably something that I would leave for the viewers. Excellent. Yeah, that's actually a great point because we're talking a lot about the tech trends, the, yeah. the purchasing trends, but all of that is linked to the people, right? What they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. And that ties into social, economic, and community issues too. So I think understanding those connecting points and thinking the bigger picture is is a fantastic point. No, absolutely. You know, Lisa, one last point on that is for us at Uno Day 50 here in the US market, we are also investing and spending a lot of time on corporate responsibility. So we are thinking about technology, but we're also thinking about our corporate responsibility for the brand and to the consumer overall. Yeah. And I know a lot of companies are following suit. So great to hear those types of stories, those conversations, not just at the business level, but at the individual level too. So Jason, again, I know you're a very busy man. So thank you so much for taking the time out and for sharing a little bit into what you're gonna be talking about at RAC. And everyone out there, thank you as always for checking out this great conversation. We hope that you'll join us for the now virtual retail innovation conference taking place October 13th and 14th. You can go to the retailinnovationconference.com for more information. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.